clap at 23 seconds. Whenever right. it's a non-round number, it throws me off. <laughs> right, I know. I, I, I felt weird. I, I felt weird for asking for twenty-five because it was like, well, that's too long from where we're sitting. <laughs> twenty-three, though, pitch perfect. It keeps me on my toes. I, I gotta be uh, precise. Hell yeah! What what is what is what is um, podcasting, but not a precise art that you can definitely get wrong? Yeah, exactly. Uh, whenever I podcast, I make sure that every syllable is coming out exactly the way I want it to, and I don't edit anything. I've never mispronounced a word. Do not fact check me. <laughs> oh yeah, and and definitely during this recording, when we get into some of the uh, the indigenous words that will be quizzed on later, I will <laughs> I will be I will be extra stringent, and I know that y'all are going to just, just knock it out of the park. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I know exactly uh, which letters in Anishinaabe are doubled. <laughs> uh, well, I I I don't in this house we don't really recognize Anishinaabe. We don't. Really- <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because um i bring up sometimes like jokingly like oh you know Cree, you know you know mm-hmm. you know once once uh once the land is back it's on site you know <laughs> <laughs> but for now we're on the same team right enemy of my enemy exactly <laughs> um okay well let's jump into it uh hello everyone and welcome to a very special uh bonus episode of henry kissinger is pokemon going to die not a threat. Just, just a, a fact. fact. Yeah, and today we have a very special guest. <laughs> Try that again. And today we have a very special guest uh, in the form of a friend of the show, John. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, uh, my name is John, uh, a.k.a. Post-Colonial Malone. And That's I'm, really I'm, good. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 I was going to go through all the Destiny usernames on Twitter, but then I thought, <laughs> you know what? Let me just go ahead and give a shout out to the degree that I spent four years earning. <laughs> uh, I'll work it for this moment. Uh, I'm Sarah, aka Smogwonka. I don't get that one. It's very good. I I, I just I, I know that I, I got the I got the Smogwonka and I got the Smog. I'm I'm a little bit lost on the Wonka part, but it it makes me smile to look at and to say, so I like it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and I'm Alex, and I... Oh, shit, I don't have a nickname still. Um, I'm just going to look at uh, Genghis Callout. <laughs> oh, my God. I have a story about Genghis Khan. <laughs> oh, and yeah? It, it, this may not enter the actual podcast, but it's a, it's a great distillation of my experience at Thanksgiving time. Mm. So the story is, is that I was... Um, taking a cab from my partner's house to my house, and it was Thanksgiving. And I ended up in a cab with somebody who you know clocked me as a as a as an indigenous person right away and said yo are you native and i was like yeah sure yeah i am yeah and he goes uh oh yeah 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 i uh you know this is your land right i'm like oh yeah cool 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 (laughs) he's got the spirit right yeah and i think to myself okay this could not possibly go wrong He proceeds to tell me a very long-winded story that basically boils down to indigenous people in North America are all descended from the oh. same group of uh, uh, Mongols who escaped <laughs> Genghis Khan and okay. and uh, traveled to the New World drinking horse blood to uh, sustain themselves and uh, settled the New World and uh, created a new society. And that's why we're so good at horses. <laughs> That's why we're so, that's why we're so good at riding horses because we we used to be Genghis Khan warriors. And, that is, and why, 
<laughs> what I love so much about it is that it's like it's such a benign thing to try and explain, and he mm-hmm. and he did so using the most complicated mind time map like mm-hmm. bending bullshit. <laughs> you must so, you, you must be related to Genghis Khan. You must be. You met the so, guy of you met the guy of, who you met like time cubes like race science brother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just like okay. The human body has four sides, and the and the fourth side is where the horse goes. <laughs> well, yeah, the underside. Yeah, the side that, and then and on the top no, no, side no, go, oh, go go on. for it. Oh no! On the, uh, so on the bottom side goes the horse, and on the top mm-hmm. side goes the made in China uh, headdress that you bought on Amazon. Okay, I was, I was gonna say, is it the eagle? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh, eagles! Oh boy. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. On the on the on the bottom goes the horse, and on the top goes the you on the horse. <laughs> Fuck! Oh right, yeah, of course. <sighs> you know, you, a- you always have to factor yourself into the equation of yourself. Right. Yeah. I am on all sides of myself. Yes. That's a wild. Yeah, we have to leave that in. Yeah, that is. A, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely emblematic of like you know if I if I go through Thanksgiving without a microaggression, you know it's going to be a really good winter. Because, <laughs> uh, it's like it's like reverse Groundhog Day. It's like mm-hmm. if I it's like if I don't have to see my shadow self as I exist as a stereotype within the minds of Canadians. Oh and the, and and the thing is, is that like he wasn't he wasn't white either. Like, you know, he was like, uh, I assume, I assume Middle Eastern, uh, he was not white. And so Mm -hmm. I think it just brought home to me the idea that like, yeah, the Canadian education system is built up, not, not just to protect white people, but also to completely fuck over people who are not from here Mm -hmm. because it's just like, you know, you're not, you're not trained to learn anything uh, that subverts the authenticity of the Canadian state or whatever you know and so yeah, yeah it, 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 just, it just once again grounded me in uh in in where i'm and where i'm at and where and where canadian society is at in general well that is a great uh segue into our topic and the reason that we asked you to come on today because uh the canadian state where it's at in general right now uh is a protracted conflict would that be a good way to say it that's a pretty good way of saying it and also i would say that this is another way good way of putting it that is also a good way of putting it. <laughs> this is not alcohol. Yeah, yeah, I, for, the purposes, for the purposes of of this bit, this is not alcohol, and also in real life, it's not alcohol. <laughs> I really need caffeine to get through the 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 uh, the Fall Guys uh, uh, level that is the Canadian society. <laughs> I've never played Fall Guys, and nor have I seen it played. But I assume it's game. It, it, I because I'm not actually a gamer, uh, and and you know. I just assume that it's like that. It's just like living hell. Canadian society is basically hexagon, as far as I'm aware. It's living hell, but it's got a lot of pretty colors. And there's a lot of like little. There's a lot of like wiener shaped guys. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of wiener shaped guys. Just fat hogs, just like in parliament. <laughs> just fat hogs sweating on my television, wearing masks, and telling the Canadians that um, the lives of our children matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, Alex, you were you were introducing the topic. Yeah, so this is a topic that I was going to bring uh, to the next HKIP, but since that was going to be two weeks from uh, last week, and I also wanted to make sure that we uh, took the chance, if John was willing, to uh, center an Indigenous voice in this topic because it is about uh, an Indigenous issue, 
the Six Nations um, situation. I don't know what exactly we call it. Uh, it's a oh, it's definitely it's definitely like um, it's definitely a land reclamation. It's we're, we're definitely playing um, we're playing Fortress. We're playing we're on two fort and. <laughs> The, it's the red team who are uh, coincidentally not the indigenous people versus the blue team who are just uh, indigenous people who want to uh, hold on to their land and protect uh, what is rightfully theirs. Right. Yeah. Uh, so um, Six Nations is, uh, I guess I can just uh, sort of uh, jump right into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Six Nations of the Grand River is um, is a reserve um, in Ontario. Um, Americans would know and know them as reservations. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a reserve in Ontario. It's pretty close to Brantford, which is a place that no one in America would know. Uh, like, uh, and so it's a really it's it's a lot easier to say. It's about two hours, two and a half hours drive south of Toronto. Brantford, um, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I'm, uh, I'm, pulling, I'm pulling it up on a map just so I can see where I where 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 about I'm looking at. For sure. Uh, and yeah, uh, Six Nations of the Grand River is the most populated reserve in Canada. Mm-hmm. It is a reserve that has, I think, two, uh, about 20 uh, some odd, between 20 and 25,000 uh, registered members. And I believe it was 27,000. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that, wow. That makes sense. Um, and I can go into a little bit about like how that sort of dynamic works. But yeah. um, essentially, uh, a large number of the people who are registered Indians under the Indian Act um, f- with this reserve actually live off of reserve. And that and that sort of uh, brings me to like to my story. Yeah. So uh, my mother is Oneida Nation, and my father is Tuscarora Nation. Uh, both of those uh, nations or tribes, as you would call them in the United States, mm-hmm. um, both of those nations exist uh, within a larger confederacy called the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Mm-hmm. The Haudenosaunee Confederacy, or the Iroquois Confederacy, if you're A, French, or B, nasty, uh, <laughs> is, um, is, is... Is there is, a difference? Uh, well, you know, actually, you know what? No. No. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm going to put them on blast right now. French people, you're on... Next time, if you're not wearing a yellow vest, it's on site, basically. <laughs> You know, and 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 Quebec people don't count as French. I'm sorry, I just said it. I, I, like, you're not distinct culture. There is no French culture in Canada. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> <their> so <laughs> I will, I will, because they, because because now I have to. Now every time someone brings up Jamiroquois, I think of Iroquois, and I think about Jamiroquois Indians, like that Travis McElroy joke, and I and I just like my my fist balls. Oh God, did he say oh. that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He he referenced the last of the Jamiroquois Indians. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> oh yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh uh, yeah. We we could we. That'll be for the Travis McCoy <laughs> takedown episode. That's gonna yeah. happen. <laughs> you know, We're just gonna have that. like. Just everyone's gonna submit like vocaroos of their like favorite <laughs> Travis moment. <laughs> oh yeah, favorite like, um, in heavy air quotes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, we could do that. Um. But um. What that's next. That's next week's episode. <laughs> Absolutely. So the uh, so the Haudenosaunee Confederacy uh, are comprised of the Mohawk, the Onondaga, the Cayuga, the Seneca, and the Oneida people, 
and later the Tuscarora people. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, this, is, this is uh, this is East Coast. I didn't realize this was. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so, the, what, so I was like, I was like, those are Sarah. Yeah, this is like this is like I'm pulling it up. I pulled up the map. It's like the the uh, uh, the Brantford is like I don't know, like two or three hours by car from where I live. Yeah, it's it's surprisingly it's surprisingly so close all, to the border. These are all um, names of nations that I've heard in my that I learned about when I was a kid when I was a young in school. For sure. And 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 that and to that point, Haudenosaunee territory was originally in upstate New York, a little bit of Wisconsin area as well. Um never really landed on the New York Island, so unfortunately we don't have claim to that. But um uh the Tuscarora are actually from I believe they're from North Carolina, um, but they were actually displaced by um, another nation, I believe, and they were adopted by the Haudenosaunee Confederacy in 1715. Mm-hmm. The Haudenosaunee Confederacy, by all accounts, has existed for a very, very, very long time. Uh, estimations uh, w- between elders, uh, accounts of um, of the founding of the Confederacy, and also like astronomical accounts place it as either... Uh, the mid 15th century or like the mid 12th century. Um, that's a, that's about as far back as it goes. But um, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy is essentially the oldest existing direct democracy in North America, which, right. uh, which is, you know, a, a very much um, sort of like acknowledged by, by uh, acknowledged begrudgingly by the, uh, by some of the American founding fathers and, yeah. um, uh, the American uh, bald eagle is a symbol that comes from Haudenosaunee um, spiritual beliefs. The uh, the presidential seal with the arrows in the, uh, I believe it's the right claw, um, that symbol of arrows bundled together comes from uh, the creation story of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. Oh, wow. And yeah, uh, a lot, of, uh, and essentially the idea was with the Confederacy that there was a a historical figure by all accounts, but not very much is known about his personal life. His name, uh, he goes, he went by the great peacemaker and the great peacemaker was a figure who actually was not a member of any of the five nations. Originally he was, I believe Huron and he actually, uh, brokered peace between at the time, the five nations and, uh, demonstrated the, the importance of unity by breaking five individual arrows and then trying to break five arrows bundled together mm. and not being able to, this was also somebody who was able to apparently, um, uh, uh, he was sort of, sort of like a John Bunyan type figure. He was, he, he was, he was reportedly quite uh, formidable and strong. And so for him not to be able to break the five arrows, it sort of demonstrated to, the then five warring nations that if they were to survive, if they were to thrive, they were not going, it was important for them to be unified and not be separated. Mm -hmm. And when the colonies were coming together, that image and symbol of um, arrows being grabbed together and held together in unity was, uh, you know, was adopted by, by the people who were founding the country. So. Right. Okay. That that ex- I never really thought to question where those where that like sim where the symbols on that came from. But that 
that does, I guess, make sense that, uh, you know, early U.S. settler, or early settlers were like, well, th- this looks cool. Let's up. Let's, we got 13 of us. Let's just slap. Let's just slap eight more arrows in there. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's us. Yeah, we're eight times. We're, we're eight plus better. We got a plus eight. <laughs> It's the it's the Nedroid comic. You made this. I made this, and <laughs> I'm just slapping it, just stamping it on everything. Absolutely, and 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 to that point, you know, um, the American Revolution comes around, War of Independence comes around, and the era, uh, and the Haudenosaunee people who were allied with the British, um, I know, fought alongside them and tried to fight against um, the the colonies, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a very complicated sort of hit chapter in history in the sense mm-hmm. that like, excuse me, um, in the sense that um, there was a lot of internal struggle within the Haudenosaunee community on whether or not they would join any side. And right. at, at, at the, in the end, it sort of became apparent that the British were going to offer them possibly a better deal. And that that was kind of how it ended up boiling down to. And so, you know, war of independence happens. America wins. Uh, yay America score one for the good guys <laughs> the the Haudenosaunee people then who live in America ostensibly are kind of are, are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place they're like well we we definitely were British allies so it's not going to turn out very well for us at all and so what happened was they were basically relocated um, from upstate New York and from that general area to Quebec and uh, Southern Ontario. And basically that's where you get um, reserves all along the border. You have uh, Aganasatake in uh, Quebec, which is where the Oka crisis uh, right. happened. You have, um, and you have the Six Nations of the Grand River. Uh, the Six Nations um, of the Grand River um, uh, reserve was um yeah, was was basically uh, was set up um, kind of um, in conjunction with this thing called the Haldeman Tract. Yeah, yeah, and um, the Haldeman Tract is um, is a very interesting document. It was drafted based by the governor of, I believe, Quebec. Weirdly enough, and basically the idea of the Haldeman Tract, uh, or I guess the Haldeman Proclamation, which was uh, which was enacted in 1784. Uh, uh, Frederick Haldeman, the governor of the province of Quebec, granted the uh, Haudenosaunee, um, or as they're referred to in the document, as the Mohawks and uh, Mohawk Indians, uh, and their and their I believe it's their their uh, other like tribes. Okay, but yeah, it's you know he could be bothered to learn all the names. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think so. And but uh, so what he decided to do was to use this. this uh, this river body called the Grand River um, and the valley that was surrounded it um, as sort of like the basis of like where the Haudenosaunee can set up their their whatever their 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 they that's where they can settle. There was no reserve system at the time. Uh, reserve systems didn't really become a really hardcore thing until closer to Confederation. But ostensibly, uh, all this land, which was the Grand River and on either side of the Grand River Bank, six miles deep, was supposed to be the land that was given to Haudenosaunee people. Uh, I think there's a, I have a list here of, of, the, of the total acreage, um, which obviously has been in dispute, but um, we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. 
674,910 acres, about 2,700 kilometers. Damn. That is how much land was supposed to be given to the uh, Six, uh, Six Nations, um, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, specifically the um, the contingency of, uh, of Haudenosaunee people who followed uh, Joseph Brandt, who was a uh, not a not a chief at all, but was more of a um, just an influential figure among uh, Mohawks, and he. And he was kind of like this this broker of of deals between uh, Haudenosaunee people and the the Crown. Mm-hmm. Was he the one who was he the one who Brantford was named for? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. So what was the what was the number on that uh, kilometer? I need to convert it into into bad units to understand. <laughs> uh, uh, in kilometers, it's two thousand seven hundred and thirty one point three square kilometers. That's a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, in fact, there's a map. There's a very famous map of the Holloman Tract, which basically uh, shows how much land was promised to the Haudenosaunee people versus how much of that land actually is under their control. Uh, several municipalities have been founded in that tract since uh, the Haldeman Proclamation. And for the most part, most of that was, uh, was, uh, was established kind of uh kind of under the table kind of um shady deals so the the Haldeman proclamation does not grant um it does grant indigenous people specifically the Haudenosaunee people um the right to settle a land but it never granted them title to the land right title to the land was uh was absorbed by the Canadian state during the British uh, in the signing of the British North America Act of 1867 which is the legislation that allowed for confederation to happen in Canada. It was that was the document that allowed that the Queen signed to basically let Canada be Canada basically. That was so nice. And yeah, yeah, it's very Thanks, nice. Baby. And, and uh, that Queen is and that every queen is still alive today. <laughs> <laughs> and that Queen's name is Um her name her name was Albert Queenstein. <laughs> Joe, just Albert Jones. <laughs> Albert, fuck. Um, just for you, um, just for you going. I'm looking at the map now. Of oh yeah, the, can you drop it in the chat? So yeah, it's in the, it's in the guest chat. Uh, that is wow. a lot of land that should be in the reserve. Yeah, and and for the most part, you know, there's uh, there's a there's a there's um obviously the 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 numbers of people who settled Six Nations, the Grand River, are not. Um, like we're not obviously able to be spread thin mm-hmm. enough to allow for such a for such um, uh, a sort of like competent land seizure. Yeah, and also it, the idea was that um, though the title of the land, because the title of the land was never truly within the hands of Haudenosaunee people, um, the land was just kind of developed and bought and sold privately between sometimes between people. Um, who who were already settled on the land, but then sold it to other uh, to to non-indigenous landowners, or sometimes people would just walk up and just start making a town. I believe the municipality of Simcoe is through that tract. There's also there's several larger um, sort of like mid-sized um, municipalities. And yeah, Waterloo Kitchener is where my mom is from. Yeah, and so you know you you definitely have like a places where like things like like people developed it and there's no real discussion really about 
what it like at the core of it was like um allowed to exist kind of like like uncontested and just like held in good faith you know? yeah but um also just a real quick for anyone who wants to see the uh the the Haldeman tract and the Six Nations Reserve if you just google Haldeman's tract and that's a h a l d i m a n d tract you'll see what we're talking about yeah and uh so you know many of the things that took place during the 19th century and moving into the 20th century things like um the uh uh residential school system Mm-hmm. things like uh you know um the indian agents um the indian act itself the uh, uh acts of enfranchisement which was an act in I believe it was like a, it was like an indian act before the indian act and basically mm-hmm. it was like indians can live in cities but they can't they can't do they, they have no right to any of their they have no treaty rights they have nothing basically right. and uh all that stuff sort of forms along with confederation and then it, it all sort of culminates in the 1920s when in 1923, the hereditary chief system, which had, which was still largely intact uh, on in communities, uh, in the community of Six Nations, uh, was subverted by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, what happened was there was a meeting between the hereditary chief system and just to go briefly into the hereditary chief system, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of nuances to it, but essentially the hereditary chief system uh, was, is a system of 50 chiefs um, uh, distributed uh, unevenly, but, but it sort of explained why uh, among uh, the, the five nations and they are the chiefs are selected by clan mothers. Now, Haudenosaunee society is matrilineal, which mm-hmm. means that uh, because my mother is Oneida, that means that when I register um, under the Indian Act, and for all intents and purposes, between um, myself and members of my community, I identify as an Oneida Nation person. Mm-hmm. And so, basically because of this hereditary chief system, clan mothers would elect chiefs and chiefs would sit in council and there would be uh, deliberation on subjects that were uh, related to um, Haudenosaunee life and specifically life uh, uh, in the settlement. And it was, it, it was really like, like the foundational uh, democracy that held together the, the six nations basically since, it, since the Haudenosaunee Confederacy was founded. And, in 1923, the RCMP broke into the council chambers of the of the hereditary chiefs, took the wampum belts that they had used to practice their version of law, and the wampum belts were essential in allowing them to articulate the law which had governed not only their relationship to each other, but the relationship between themselves and other indigenous groups, like the Delaware people who they later adopted and the Tuscarora people. Mm-hmm but also the uh, treaty that they had established with the British government, the American government, and the Canadian government. And the RCMP took these wampum belts and locked the doors and chained the doors shut of the hereditary chief's um, council meeting place. Jesus. This was done basically in retaliation to, well, a lot of things, but... um, one thing that did happen was 
there was a Cayuga chief whose name was Descahe. Uh Descahe was um he was a hereditary chief. He was a member of the Cayuga Nation. I believe he was a member of the Snipe clan, but uh someone will have to fact check that for me. Uh Descahe was very adamant about how the RCMP had already started to encroach on his land and how Indian agents had already started to police and over uh, and, and over um, over scrutinize indigenous people who were living in the settlement. Um, like there was even incidents where RCMP would uh, and Indian agents would stop indigenous people from cutting wood for fuel and like would like tell them you can't cut wood for fuel, but they would let non indigenous people cut wood for fuel. Yeah. And yeah, it uh he was very he was very adamant about how fucked up the situation was. And so he actually planned a trip to the League of Nations where he was hoping uh to grant an audience with the newly formed League of Nations and essentially petition for action uh in solidarity with and recognition of Haudenosaunee people as distinct from Canadian society. Uh, Descahe never really ended up being able to go to Europe because his uh, Haudenosaunee passport was never recognized. And to this day, um, uh, Haudenosaunee passports, which are issued under treaty, um, are not recognized. Um, very famously, in the 2010s, there was a team of Iroquois um, lacrosse players who wanted to go to England to perform to to participate in a tournament. Uh, lacrosse is a game that's in, that was given to Haudenosaunee people by the creator. It was a medicine game originally that was used to um, sort of like heal people who were um, returning from war and heal people who were returning from residential schools. Mm-hmm. And to this day, Haudenosaunee people have to fight for their right to play lacrosse internationally, even though it is an internationally renowned sport they still ha- have to fight for their spot on many tournaments and in many sort of tournament situations. Right. And so Descahe, uh, uh was not able to make it to uh, Europe and he uh, lived out the rest of his life in a reserve in uh, New York. And I believe it was near Rochester. I can't, I, I'm not entirely sure, but he wrote speeches basically decrying the Canadian state and saying, you know, making very bold declarations about how Canada was this thing that had encroached itself upon indigenous people and that there was no amicability and that there were, and that despite the fact that Haudenosaunee people were constantly giving um, concessions to, to the Canadian state, there was no, um, there was no, there was never any give from the Canadian state. This is this is a quote I have from from him. This is a speech that he made on the radio on March tenth, nineteen twenty five. Over in Ottawa, they call that policy Indian advancement. Over in Washington, they call it assimilation. We who would be helpless victims say it is tyranny. If this must go on to the bitter end, we would rather that you come with your guns and poison gases and get rid of us that way. Do it openly and above board. Oof. Yeah, he was dying in a reserve very close to Rochester, New York, and he sent for his medicine man from Six Nations, who was not allowed to cross the border because he did not speak English. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, awful. Uh, under the Jay Treaty of, ni- of 1790, indigenous people are supposed to have free travel between the borders of America yeah. and Canada, 
but 19, uh, 19, 20, 25, maybe 27, there was a lot of contention about espionage and there was a lot of fear around um, people being able to sneak across borders and America was still very isolationist at the time. So they stopped him. Um, undoubtedly, they knew who who Descahe was and who his who his people were, but that never really seems to matter when it gets down to the border. Yeah. Feasibly, I should be able to visit New York anytime I want, but I, I, I cannot, you know, sort of depend on that because, you know, first of all, I have to register under the Indian Act, um, which I'm currently not registered under. So in the eyes of the Canadian government, I am not an indigenous person. I am considered a non-status first nations person. Mm-hmm. Which means I am not. Which means I am not privy to any treaty rights established or negotiated between Canada and uh, my particular uh, band. Right. So after the RCMP took the wampum belt from the hereditary chiefs and locked them out of their council chambers, they established the elected band council of Six Nations, which was essentially a municipality within Six Nations that would function as kind of the de facto government. And so because reserves are not provincial land, they're actually federal lands under Mm -hmm. the British North America Act. These, um, these councils are kind of the, um, they're the middleman between the federal government and the people who live on six nations. And, a lot of the um, quote-unquote funding that comes uh, to any community comes through the band council. Yeah. And so since 1926, there's been an elected band council in uh, on Six Nations of the Grand River. And because there's been... Uh, because there's because this this government has never truly been in line with the hereditary chief system, which many people still... Uh, acknowledge and see as the legitimate uh, rulership of uh, and the legitimate authority on Six Nations. Right. Historically, elections have had tremendously low results on Six Nations territory. Yeah. Uh, I believe in 2013, less than 2,000 people voted. Yeah. And I feel um, I, I is this I, I feel like I've he- I've heard about this band in recent memory is what what uh, I'm sorry I'm just kind of grasping at a straw here but I feel like they said something about the protests around the uh, Wet'suwet'en land last year so uh, earlier this year so yeah that's because the band council system is in place throughout Canada yeah uh, and it like this example it is often or if not always kind of a illegitimate middleman government that gotcha. doesn't okay, actually yeah, affect the people. Okay. I, was, I was just curious if that was like the same like thing. Same system, gotcha. same Indian act, same great act that we love. We, we do. We, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be the great and final act of us all. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah. So the, the, the band council um, is, is very much seen as kind of um, kind of a, a thing that's like in place. Because and it's like sort of like the only thing that kind of exists that really enforces government, uh, federal government control on Haudenosaunee life. And I think that um, there's a lot of conversation in the states about this thing called the elections and how election um, abstaining and election process you have, you often end up getting forced into the system where literally no one is worth 
the time of day, you wouldn't, you would like in any other situation, no one would give Joe Biden a second look, Mm -hmm. but because he's at the top of this manufactured bullshit can, uh, uh, caucus of like circle jerk centrist liberals, he feels like it feels like he's someone important, but he's not. No one cares about Joe Biden. (laughs) Ukrainian bullshit son, you know, and I think (laughs) his Ukrainian fail son. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, like, like you would quote from Hunter Biden. I don't give a shit about my dad. (laughs) Friendship with Joe ended. Uh, uh, Vladimir Putin is my friend now. Um, But, you know, I, I just, um, you know, in the States, there's this, there's this conversation about elections and do elections do anything? I think Haudenosaunee people would tell you that elections are often, you know, like, like, like we've had a relationship with elections that has been less than amicable. Mm-hmm. And uh, within the broader context of history, one could say that the elected council does truly care about the people who live on, on six nations. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, you know, I, I really like, like, you know, I really like my neighbor, but if I had to rely on my neighbor to make sure that my house got electricity, it would, it would make a, it would make the relationship between us awkward. And the only reason the the six nations elected band council exists is to create an, an awkward, ahistorical um, power structure that, uh, ends up dividing the Haudenosaunee community and dividing the uh, the Six Nations community in general. Mm-hmm. It and, also, um, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, it also like from from what I've seen with talking about uh, the Wet'suwet'en situation with my family earlier this year. For a lot of set or for a lot of settlers, the idea of like the band council being like the proper government because it's democratic. Uh, instead of being hereditary, even though, first of all, the hereditary system is also democratic. Uh, and uh, we live in a monarchy, literally. Um, it just, like, it legitimizes the the Indian Act and all the ways that uh, traditional government has been, like, literally deposed. And, like like you said, like, they were locked into their council chambers and their wampum belts were taken. So it was basically... It's basically an installed coup government that's been there for and not to get hundred years. Not to get too far off topic. Apologize, apologies for going too far into U.S. Paul for on this episode, but like it's kind of like in a similar way that you can kind of look at like the way that voting has been like com- extremely challenged in the in the United States. Like it's been you know so much disenfranchisement, so much uh, um, gerrymandering. It's to a point where we have a much we it, the the idea of democracy in our mind is a lot more like nice and neat than the actual democracy that we like experience. Yeah, and even if uh, quote unquote the, democracy, even if the band council were a good government system, it's literally not our place as settlers to like decide what indigenous nations government looks like. Right. Exactly. And so I think it, 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 um, it really brings us to, I think, the, the two more recent examples of sort of, of like the experience of band council relationship to the hereditary chief system to the people of Six Nations. And mm-hmm. I guess really where the current ex- um, um, land reclamation stands, it really stems as far uh, uh, the most recent sort of like seed that was planted 
with relationship with regards to this current event that's happening is the 2006 Caledonia um, standoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Caledonia standoff was uh, spawned by this uh, by this development company called the Douglas Creek Estates, and the development was for housing. Obviously, it was for um, it was for like uh, like very nice, lovely houses, and you know uh, all this really cool shit. Yeah, yeah, and and it was and it was to be developed in in uh, as an extension of Caledonia into Six Nations um, territory. Mm-hmm. Um, folks occupied the land, the building site. OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, which is essentially like the state police, mm-hmm. um, they came in, uh, arrested twenty one people. Um, more people showed up. There were uh, road blockades. Um, there were. You know, a very a very strong showing by the community that you know this was once again a a literal encroachment on 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 uh, Six Nations territory that was illegitimate, ill advised, and made without the the free, prior, and informed consent of the of the Six Nations people. And a lot of the talking points around legitimacy of government, like you were mentioning, Alex come from this idea of who do you who who is who is consulted who is asked um whether something is okay with regards to development or the purchasing of land or whatever yeah and in the same in the example of the douglas creek estates and in the example of the uh the meadows uh what is the full name of the development that's happening um currently on six nation mackenzie meadows the, the 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 result is the same the the the, the root cause is the same that uh, the six nations band council had in some ways approved or or allowed for development to occur and that the people did not want it to happen because ultimately the land was not going to be used for the benefit of of people living on six nations it was for a private land developer who that who would then sell the estate and the land to uh, I don't know some rich family who was just trying to get out of the city or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and I and uh, it really um, it really it really boils down to the fact that um, within on Turtle Island there is a very strong contingency of solidarity between indigenous groups um, across the t- across the entire continent. Mm-hmm. Um, during the uh, uh, during the Wet'suwet'en um, uh, uh, standoffs with RCMP, um, many Indigenous groups uh, in Ontario, Six Nations included, blockaded uh, railroads. Right. And in solidarity for the current efforts at 1492 Landback Lane, uh, Wet'suwet'en, which is a great name. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty fantastic, and so uh, it, it and bec- and in solidarity for the actions taking place there, um, people at Wet'suwet'en have also re- blo- blockaded railroads, mm-hmm. and so it's this reciprocal yeah. relationship that um, is quite symbolic, but also very powerful. Which is that when Canada was being established as a state that existed from coast to coast to coast, the railroad was the the stitch that binded the entire continent, the entire country together. Mm-hmm. It was the promise on which the country was made. It, and it was ultimately the, it was ultimately the, uh, the weapon that was used to displace indigenous people. 
uh, indigenous communities that were placed alongside key routes, especially in Manitoba, which is the province just west of Ontario. Um, <clears throat> indigenous groups that existed along key routes for the railroad were starved out of uh, uh, starved into accepting uh, resettlement on reserves outside of the way, out of mm-hmm. the way, essentially. And so Canada has historically used um, the railroad system to sort of disenfranchise indigenous people and is a symbol of the of the of the of the march towards progress that indigenous people cannot cannot stop you know right. and there's that very famous painting of um which has um the white woman who represents manifest destiny and she has these um telegraph poles that she's sticking into the ground as she's moving forward and there's like a train being built behind her mm. like that is like the the view of progress in Canada, and so to disrupt train lines um, is to really mention uh, to really bring home the fact that Indigenous people have not forgotten what it took for us to get to this point where all of these treaties, all of these promises, and all of this and this relationship that was supposed to sustain life and keep things in harmony was was broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that indigenous people remember is because it's tied into our perspective about the future, which is that not only must we remember the past, we must make actions today that will impact not our children or their children or their mm-hmm. children, but seven generations of children in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And when you when you think about the future in that in those terms, it's really it's really a lot easier for you to justify and to see the clarity of getting up, going out and doing something to stop this march towards quote unquote progress. And, and even in very localized and small ways, um, I think that it, 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 it sends a powerful message, you know, um, the premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, uh, has made statements about how it's about like, living more, together. More like sorry, Doug, Doug, um, Doug t- Turd. <laughs> All right, spirit's there. He's got the spirit. Listen, oh. the best I can come up with besides that is Doug Board, and like that's not really like as scathing as I'd like. More Doug, like Doug Board of Canada. <laughs> Doug Horde, nice. all the resources. Fuck. Music has the music has the right to Douglas. Fuck. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping to get Sarah this this episode. <laughs> which is it's what I which is what I refer to when you say things that are so cursed but yet <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um Doug Ford uh has made statements about how oh, it's about uh, I have tremendous respect for indigenous people, but um it's about living together. You can't just go throwing things and you know, making a big fuss, you know, mm-hmm. you got, you, it's very disturbing to see this trend oh, happening. You know, God, I hate, like, I, I am less, I, I, because Doug Ford is not on Twitter as the, our wet president, I am less exposed to the stupid and awful things that he says. So they, they hit that much harder when I do, when I am exposed to them. Cause I, ugh, that just makes well, me I very, have- that makes me very mad. I have great news for you, Sarah, on the Doug Ford front, okay. which is that uh, in response to, uh, you know, the entire 
uh, defund the police movement happening and also specifically uh, the OPP being uh, in the news for like brutalizing <laughs> these land defenders. Uh, we're going inc- to we're going to add uh, 200 more officers to the OPP. That's what he said to do. I, I, I have now, I know I made this joke last episode, but I have now had the face app smile just slapped right <laughs> on me. I love my wet premiere. Oh. Anyway, sorry, he's, John. He, he is very wet. Um, <laughs> and more, more, slug forward, slug forward. Okay, oh, there, there we go. There we go. got there. Uh, dig my own grave forward. Anyway, um, nice. <laughs> dig dug my own grave forward. There we go. <laughs> got dig it. dug my own grave Fortnite. Fortnite. <laughs> Well, that's going to be the up the name of this podcast once guys. <laughs> uh, dug my own grave Fortnite. <laughs> Fortnite. Uh, sorry. Hold on, I have yeah. to write that down. That's for the episode title. <laughs> yes, yes. It's my fi- it's my dream to name a podcast. <laughs> You've done it. So, uh, moving to 2019. Yeah. Um. The oh, sorry. Back to 2013. This is from the uh, realpeoples.media website, a great, great resource for all things indigenous struggle related. Mm-hmm. Um, if a country seems too good to be true, look into what they're doing to their indigenous people because you, mm-hmm. be, you, you, uh, you might be shocked to, to, to see what's happening. Uh, so 2013, Six Nations Elected Council was informed by the developers of the McKenzie Meadow site that this two-phase residential deployment Development project project will consist of a minimum of 700 residential units with a maximum of 1,000. The entire land holding is approximately 107 acres, in which phase one will develop 25.2 acres and 200 residential units. This was not supported through the community and therefore declined. The proposed deal was to see $1,250 per residential unit being paid to a dedicated purpose account for the construction of... Gawinio, uh, Gawinio Private School, minimum of 700 residents units up to, uh, to a maximum of 1,000. In 2019, Six Nations of the Grand Council says that it has accepted an accommodation deal with a developer building two new housing projects in Caledonia. Ballantry Homes has given 42.85 acres of farmland and $352,000 to the Six Nations Elected Council as part of the accommodation deal to approve two housing projects. BD's Estates and Mackenzie Meadows on the east and west coast of the Mackenzie Road in Caledonia. The first part of the project in Mackenzie Meadows is located directly across the street from the former Douglas Creek Estates site where the land reclamation in 2006 took place. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the worst detail to me is that it's literally across the road from what I already tried. Yep. And, you know, just, I oh God, just click drag to just click drag two pixels. Does this <laughs> do, you, do you like this? <laughs> this one okay it's 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 fi- it's trying to find it's trying to find the g spot the good spot the good <laughs> development spot turning the racism dial and moving the <laughs> development slightly around on the map however unlike the g spot the good development spot is a myth <laughs> <laughs> yes absolutely and so yeah that brings us basically to um june which which essentially is sort of the uh, the the starting point for the for the occupation sorry the reoccupation of mm-hmm. uh, 1492 Landback Lane. By the way, a very important thing to say about 1492 Landback Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, first of all, no one cares that 1492 is the year that Christopher Columbus ended up in Central <laughs> America. No one cares. Don't correct us on that. Um, so yeah. the second, second thing is if you Google 1492 land back lane, 
Google Maps can help you out. Oh, uh, shit. There is a uh, there's a marker for 1492 Landback Lane on Google Maps. It is labeled as a school because we are once again forced to have to teach indigenous, <laughs> uh, non-indigenous Canadians their history. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a very it's a very cool thing to look on Google and say, hey, yeah, you know, that's this, fantastic. That's where uh, we're at. Uh, and according uh, to uh, Google, uh, the hours and services of 1492 Landback Lane may differ due to COVID nineteen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sense. Also, real quick, Christopher Cadumbus, thanks. <laughs> Got him, <laughs> Christopher Cadumbass. He's rolling. He's rolling in his 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 his. his he's rolling in his fucking grave. He's rolling in his syphilis grave. His lead coffin. Yeah. <laughs> get fucked. Uh, <laughs> radiation poison. That feel when you that feel when you get radiation poisoning after you die. So even if you came back as a zombie, you'd probably just immediately decay and eat shit again. Yeah. The only the only the only problem is is that Christopher Columbus uh, can only die once. So. Um, you know, and I think that that's probably a proof that there is no God. Becoming, becoming <laughs> a Franken, becoming a Frankenstein kind of guy to to just repeatedly kill Christopher Columbus. <laughs> oh yeah, and and of course, you know, um, all of this really is the, just the five year culmination of the big slap, the big wet slap in the face that the Justin Trudeau majority liberal government was to Indigenous people. Yeah. In 2015, the liberals were given a majority government with which they could, which, which, with which they did fuck all, except fuck over uh, an indigenous woman in the mm-hmm. cabinet. And uh, well, they they decided they would start looking into maybe thinking about apologizing. So and also, Justin Trudeau was ex- was uh, celebrating the 10 year anniversary of the last time he did blackface. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I, I, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, and now, and now the, now the, now Justin Trudeau's, uh, thinking about proroguing parliament, which, um, is not as delicious as it sounds. Uh, yeah. unfortunately, unfortunately it means he's just kind of, uh, calling time out basically. Yeah. So basically what the, basically what the Senate is doing here and saying, eh, we're just going to, we're just going to dip, dip for a couple of weeks. Y'all, y'all good. Y'all, y'all got no bills to pay, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, I didn't think I didn't think about this before. We could just not pay those because, like, oh, true. Because the because the because you know, like, no one's gonna really, no one really cares about that stuff. You know, no one's gonna send the cops to your house and take you out of your home. Well, no, of course not. You know, we don't oh. we don't live in we don't live in that world. No, we, we live in good world. We live in good world where the Haldeman Tract is uh, entirely. Six Nations Reserve, and also the entire Haudenosaunee territory is Six Nations Reserve, and also it's not called the Reserve; it's called Six Nations. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, we definitely don't live in a normal world, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, uh, there now uh, the timeline for the Mackenzie Meadows occupation is uh still not entirely like clear to me because like I only I only really became uh, really tuned into it uh, when it like when it started, uh, but in June there was an injunction served uh, by the OPP and a bunch of people, and then the camp got raided. And then just like the last time, camp gets raided, people scatter, and then people just come back right or come right back five times more. Mm-hmm. And the the history is still very much in up in the air about how this particular thing is going to last. Uh, the average land claim 
in Canada, which is to say the legal process by which land is established as being under the control of a certain indigenous um, group, the average land land claim takes about 17 years in Jesus. Canada. Uh, and so uh, Caledonia, for example, uh, back during the Douglas Creek Estates in 2006, that uh, that process is still very much largely in the air with regards to who has the right to develop it and who has the right to, you know, keep it and, and do with it what they wish. And all of this really, you know, uh, like everything from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of 2015 to now has been building up to this idea of where do indigenous people stand in relationship to federal and provincial governments. Mm -hmm. And really it has not changed significantly since 1926, especially for six nations and almost certainly for folks who are living in unceded territory in British Columbia, Mm -hmm. which is an entirely different basket of worms that I think that I think um, plenty of people have talked about in, in, in the past. And I think, Bringing to the table my experience, I was 15 when the Douglas Creek Estates thing was happening, and to be an urban indigenous person living in what is now known pretty colloquially as like the hate, <laughs> the hate crime capital of Canada, uh, thanks Thunder Bay. Um, we'll see you next year. Uh, you know, living living in this in this in this town. Uh, at an age where I was already pretty socially isolated because I was uh, very queer and very fat and very brown, mm-hmm. you know, and then having to pile on the fact that my local news channel was showing pictures of white people fighting indigenous people on my television screen. And the framing of the issue was all oh, the indigenous people are trying to make a statement about their land and it's it's getting a little out of hand right here you know it, it was mm-hmm. it's it's the kind of thing that would really drive you to just kind of just completely check out of of society really yeah. yeah but the thing is is that when you're indigenous there is nowhere to hide because yeah. you're because you're always going to be the the one indigenous person or you if you're very lucky you get to be not the only indigenous person but the very articulate indigenous person, the one who's able to speak good and went to school. You know, I'm the first person in my family to graduate high school, college, and university. Mm-hmm. I'm the only person to graduate university. And this comes after many, many, many generations of alcohol abuse, uh, residential schools, the 60 scoop, mm-hmm. and... And this is just me barely, barely, barely scraping out of university uh, at the age of 20, uh, 27. And this is me now. And my brother just recently uh, graduated from university as well. And yeah. And so that's that's just where we're at now. An urban indigenous person just was the first person to graduate university this year. Yeah. And so... I'm one of the lucky ones and that does not include all the people who exist in, on far more precarious ax, uh, axes of oppression than I do. Mm-hmm. Like my, like my trans and two spirit indigenous can my disabled indigenous can 
my my neurodivergent indigenous kin like the fact is is that so many of us are already told that like we're just not gonna make it yeah and 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 when and when uh, and and really what you'll find if you look up on facebook don't go on facebook (laughs) or twitter is uh from from 1492 Landback lane you'll see a lot of things you'll see opp officers you'll see signs saying you will always bend to the white man's law you'll see cars of white supremacists parked across the street yeah but you'll also see fire fire with people standing around it people dancing people laughing there were lacrosse, there were there were lacrosse games uh quite yeah, recently yeah i saw that that was really cool yeah and uh you'll see people you know expressing solidarity with each other and you'll see families come together and for people who have had nothing but hurt for generations to still have the temerity to fight um even those quote unquote little fights you know is really is really important and i mm-hmm. and i truly think that um i'm very grateful to everyone who on uh all everyone who on twitter who who touts and who supports 1492 and back lane because when i was growing up none of the white people in my life really gave a yeah. shit and and that's and that's just the truth and and really how could they how could they have even been given a chance to even know about it because it's not in the interest of the government for them to know mm-hmm. about it yeah and so you know and i'm really and i'm really uh quite you know since i've sort of become more politically conscious and more politically aware being able to see people especially on the left sort of express solidarity with this kind of niche but ultimately very important to me battle is very good and yeah i don't know we've been recording for a while (laughs) and i'm and i'm and i hope i've done the the history and background and dissemination of information some justice but uh I, i i really thank HKIP for letting me come on and do some goofs and teach, <laughs> teach a little bit. Cause yeah. thank you for, co- thank you for yeah. coming on. This was, I, I said at the start of this, I said at the start of this episode before we started recording, that I was just going to do a lot of nodding and learning and I have <laughs> nodded a lot. I have learned a lot and I have also done some smiling, which I said, I wasn't sure if I was going to do, cause this sounded like a bummer topic. But there, were some, <laughs> there were goofs, there were, jo- there were jokes, there were goofs and I've learned a lot. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I just want to say to your last point about uh, like white leftists. Um, I think it, if it is still a niche topic, I think it's becoming less so because at least, at least for myself, like becoming more politically conscious as a white settler in Canada uh, in this moment, it really feels like land back is the, the crux of everything yeah. that needs to be done in Canada. And so I feel like more of us are feeling that way. And I hope that uh, we can, we can do do some justice by y'all for sure. And I think, um, to your point, Sarah, um, one, one of the things that really, I, I stick with, that sticks with me, uh, and that's something that I've known for a long time about myself, which is that indigenous people, especially like, uh, like, like, like urban indigenous people, but also like on reserve indigenous people, indigenous people in general have this like superpower to kind of, to kind of laugh through the hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you'll find is that, um, especially when you're when you take into consideration things like um, like uh, like like trauma and abuse and stuff, like a lot of the times there's not very much to to laugh at or smile at. But I think there are that, that 
there's this thing called survivance and survivance um, basically boils down to the things that we do to help the day get to, to survive another day. And whether that's, you know, make something, create something, uh, or even just like laugh and, and cry and have, and have community with each other. Like those are things that everyone does, but I think indigenous people will often, you know, we kind of have to break up the really serious stuff with laughter. And so if you ever have the privilege of sitting in a room with like a group of indigenous women, it's just like the laughter alone can heal you. And I was raised by very, very strong and powerful indigenous women. And, you know, I think I would not be as eager to learn new things and listen, but also be willing to share my gifts and to share myself, even despite the fact that I grew up uh, in a situation where none of my peers want to hear it, uh, despite the fact that I still want to be a teacher, that I still want to go out there and do things, and I still want to engage with with people, and I still want to, you know, educate because ultimately, that's I, I, that that comes from them. That comes from the very strong indigenous women in my life and who are currently on the front lines all across Turtle Island. You know, yeah, hell yeah. Well, um, um, oh, oh, go, go on, on, Alex. Uh, I just wanted to uh, circle back to one thing. Uh, John, you said uh, you weren't sure which clan uh, Descahe was. Uh, he was, in fact, not Snipe Clan, but Young Bear Clan. Uh, and so I'm going to have to uh, cancel you now. <sighs> you know, I, I expected this, but I just want to say before I get canceled and before mm-hmm. I get put that cane away, before <laughs> I get knocked off this stage, I just want to say Mohawks. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> Overrated. Seneca? Sen- please. <laughs> Oneida people have so much cooler. Uh, uh, we are so much cooler. You know why they call us the people of the Sang Stone? It's because we have huge. <laughs> and another- and another- I will not be censored. I will, I will not be censored. I will have my time. Cree? <laughs> it's on site. <laughs> Well, folks, we're having some technical difficulties with John there. Uh, we're going to just cut to commercial here. <laughs> uh, John, commercial? You okay. <laughs> the commercials. You're all. <laughs> the, the, left this this left podcast left. brought to you by this podcast brought to you by uh, Helix Sleep for all your sleeping needs. Go to one eight hundred. Go to one eight hundred helixsleep dot com. Dot com. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> John, thank oh. you again so much for coming on. Do you have anything that you would like to plug before we uh, wrap this up? Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to pretend that this is very calm and cool and collected. Don't want to assume anything. Don't want to recommend any anime because that's Sarah's thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that anime shit. Eh? Get my ass. <laughs> I uh, Okay, so... <clears throat> Yeah, uh, I'd like to plug uh, my Twitter. Mm-hmm. My Twitter is at flourishcaster underscore. The underscore is actually the symbol and not the word underscore. Um, <laughs> follow me on there for all cool, fun stuff. Um, or are we doing Lightbringers? Because I have a Lightbringer. We can do Lightbringers. absolutely can. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. I have two Lightbringers. 
The first Lightbringer I have is Watch Doro Hodoro. Just flat out, Doro Hodoro is great. It's 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 very fun. Uh, it's healing. There's food and there's a big lizard man, and it's very good. Yeah, you are not um, you are not immune to you are not immune to giant lizard man. No, no, and, or, and, and, or, I, and also and or you are not immune to giant muscular woman. Per, yeah, yeah. If oh, I wait, could, it's got giant muscular woman in it. Yeah, it's got two of them. For it's real? Got, oh, it's got the best tall muscular woman in all of anime. Yeah, honestly, like she is. Mm. She, oh, four twenty. Four twenty. Happy week minute. Happy week minute. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna uh, type this one out. Oh uh, yeah, let's. I'll take a second and. I'm not straight edge, but I will wish people a happy week minute anyway. Or I am straight edge, so I will. So oh, I will, so. you got owned. Fuck. <laughs> Alex got got. I got stick bucked. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, uh, so the that's my good Lightbringer. The second Lightbringer I want is if anyone wants to know any more information about indigenous people or indigenous people uh, and their relationship to colonial governments, the um, there's a filmmaker. Her name is Alanise Abomsawin, uh, A-L-A-N-I-S. Uh, and she is Canadian. She's a documentarian. She's made incredible and very uh, important films that explain sort of like how things um, got so fucked up. Uh, she focuses on Canada, but also she does include a lot of American stuff. She, her, her claim to fame is a documentary called 270 Years of Resistance, which is about the ogre crisis. And, uh, but the, the documentary that I think would be really helpful to people who are new is uh, Trick or Treaty. It is a documentary about treaties and how they were made, broken, and distorted to benefit uh, settler society. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, watch Doro Hodoro. And if you want to get woke, uh, check out Alanis Abomsawin's documentaries. Nice. Um, Alex, do you have a light bringer? Um, I didn't think of one. I can. One thing that I is. I've got one if you want okay, to you go ahead. together. Uh, I started playing Dark Souls 3 again. Uh, it's a good fucking video game. It's like it, it looks really good and it plays really good. And it's like less clunky than the other two Dark Souls games. And it feels like they learned a lot. They like learned a lot from Bloodborne and learned a lot about what players like to do in Bloodborne. And it's a good video game and I love it. That's my Lightbringer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, my Lightbringer is. Uh, a little podcast you might have heard of called Friends at the Table, which I finally started listening to. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, started with their three-episode Fall of Magic arc, which is a very kind of beautiful tone piece dream logic game that they play. Uh, and the ending made me almost cry. Yeah, I, I hear Friends at the Table does that a lot. Yeah. Hell yeah, uh, I love crying. <laughs> uh, that's that's going to do it for this epi- this special episode of Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die. Again, John, thank you so much for joining it was joining us. It was in- this was incredible. I had a great time doing this. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. So much for having me. And uh, yeah, I I would love to be on again uh, if there's any specific indigenous issue thing that you need a special correspondent for. <laughs> I mean, you could also come on for other things oh man i i i definitely want to get that on tape because i want to hold you to it and be like and come back in a year later and be like i actually uh haven't been on no no but uh thank you so much for having me it's been fantastic and i really hope that everybody out there if you want to support um uh land back i'm sure alex will include stuff in the description yes i was just about to mention uh the links that you shared with us in discord uh there is a uh, gmail address landback six nations at gmail.com all one word number six 
uh, and you can e-transfer or PayPal them uh, for some help with legal defense funds. Hell yeah, because GoFundMe almost shut down their go- their their legal uh, defense fund, so that could happen at any time. So if you want to send them uh, direct support, uh, yeah, hit them up at that Gmail account. All right, um, we can be found on Twitter at hkipgtd. Uh, that's us everywhere. Um, I'm not going to do this. Is like a I, I don't think I'm going to do the Patreon the Patreon read this episode. Yeah, no, know. let's let's not. Uh, this okay. is going to go up on the Patreon, but it'll be available for everyone. Yeah, it's a free, uh, a free book, a free one. A free um, so, uh, yeah, you can, yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Sunhatjenya, S U N H A T Z H E N Y A. Oh no, I just spilled all my estrogen on the floor. I need to pick that up. <laughs> that, uh, that moment. Uh, I can also be found on the uh, on some other podcast on this great uh, noise based X Y Z network, such as Fear Baiting. It's a horror movie podcast, and the Wonder Yorks, which is an Animorphs podcast. I do. Um, uh, John, I, I ping me once, uh, ping me like in the middle of October and I will set up that, uh, episode with you for, uh, was it blood quantum? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an indigenous horror, uh, movie about zombies and about biological warfare. It's very good. I've heard good things. Uh, thank you to the taxpayers for the use of our intro music, uh, uh, evil men off the album cold hearted town thank you matt gamecube for the noise xyz network which this and so many other great podcasts are hosted on uh i think that's it i gotta pick up my estrogen <laughs> gravity transphobic uh, so true i never thought of it that way wow all right bye wait alex, bye. Wait, alex, <laughs> alex wait your links i can't hear you i'm wearing airpods <laughs> you guys <laughs> bye bye <laughs> That was so good. Thank you. That was fantastic. My my dream came to fruition. (laughs) So good. That's so good. Uh, I, I've been trying to start a podcast with my friends for so long. And I think, cause like, cause what I love so much about noise space is that it's like two or more friends just talking about shit that they love. And like, Mm -hmm. that's so good. Like, like even if it's things I don't like or care about, like, Sex and the City or um, Animorphs. <laughs> like if, like even if it's things I don't like, I like hearing everyone talk. Like, um, and 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 just like because it feels like at that point it's podcasting, but like it's how it's supposed to be, or maybe how it originally was. Yeah, just people just talking shit and making each other laugh, and you know, uh, having dumb jokes about about bullshit media. Like I. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I love Noise Space so much. And I think the fact that like there are so many shows and that they're and that they're things that actually make me want to get into other things. Like um I haven't checked out elementary, but I love Element OP. It's so there's so much fun. Uh there's this there's this podcast called Hamsteak. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty it's pretty it's it's all right, actually. It's it's like it's free like hosts are okay, but um Homestuck. <laughs> Man, they Man. really sell. They really sell the heck out of it, <laughs> and the stick, of course. Uh, uh, have you checked out um, the Monster Factory Dark Souls Three videos? I uh, Sarah, I'm saving that for. I'm probably gonna. T- I'm probably gonna tuck into that one tonight. They're um, they're very good. They are so upsetting and so good. And I and 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 those two brothers, they're the good ones. Um, there was a Tumblr post the other day that was like, Monster Factory is radical media because it depicts an older brother watching his younger brother play video games and liking it. 
<laughs> it's also <laughs> radical media because Travis McElroy is not in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, it's not like cat lateral da- the cat lateral damage is distinctly not that. Um, which is a video. Right. <laughs> that's a video. I, that's a video I tuck into like once a year, and like, and yeah. like, and like, because it's just. It's the it's the perfect distillation of like older brother and younger brother uh, being held hostage by the younger brother, and mm-hmm. and 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 as someone who has a younger brother who's only one year younger than me, uh, I can relate because it's it's hard to feel like the the older sibling when you have someone who's just like one year younger than you walking around behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I am technically the older sibling, but if you if you if you took me and my sister and put us in a room together, you would not know it. Uh, I'm the older sibling, but when I was, I guess, like 13 and my brother was seven, he was already better at uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 than me. So it was an interesting dynamic video game wise. And, and, that, and, and, that, and that little brother's name, Ninja Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> no, Welcome to Sim Bling Bling. It's a podcast about older siblings and uh, all the shit that we had to go through uh, uh, for the betterment of our family. <laughs> Ninja Leaf Crunch. Thank you, Mark. Fuck. Ninja Leaf Crunch. We love it. Maybe one day. Get, gazes up wistfully at my... I'm, I'm, in, I'm inhabiting a character who wants to marry Ninja in this scene. Ah, um, okay. <laughs> you, want Ninja to ch- you want Ninja to change his last name also. <laughs> of course. Ninja Leaf Crunch. You know, that, that might actually save gaming. I think it would. If Ninja becomes a Leaf Crunch... Yeah, if Ninja just like 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 Ninja, it becomes a, a total and unabashed simp for Alex, <laughs> oh and 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 completely comes cor- and comes correct about everything in the past, and then personally fights Joe Rogan in the streets. I mean, I would I would accept it if it if it if it ca- if it had that outcome, then I would I guess I would marry him just for like the betterment of the world. <laughs> guess I'll die, boys. Guess I'll marry Ninja. <laughs> It has to be this way. Okay, I am uh, starting to smell my own stank, so I should probably go take a shower. Okay. Uh, I uploaded my file to the drive. Nice. Um, I was actually I was get, I was thinking of just doing some light editing on the Craig and throwing this up because I don't think we had too much. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. Just yeah, some mild like sound editing. The dog yeah. were yelling. Does that sound good to you, John? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just I was just. Um spouting off anyway so i think exactly i I think some light editing for you would be would be my reward to you personally oh thank you my gift uh well this entire hour and a half has been a gift Uh, yes thank you so much and and it's been so nice to talk to y'all outside of like text chat and it's yeah it's been real and it's been nice and i really hope to uh connect and 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 yeah infiltrate and continue my (laughs) my parasite like uh like like worming into the noise space family <laughs> your par- your parasite 2019 film like worming into the noise space family exactly my own grave fortnight <laughs> it's still funny so it has to be the episode title yeah. we'll be laughing about that for the next like hour all right i'm gonna dip see you bye sarah take, take sarah bye indian legislation on the desk of a do-right congressman but he don't know much about the issues so he picks up the phone and asks the advice of a sender out in Indian country, darling of the energy companies that are ripping off what's left of the reservation. <laughs> well, I'll learn my safety rules. I don't know who to. 
they don't stand between the reservation and the corporate bank. They'll send in federal takes. It isn't nice, but it's reality. Well, pain my heart out, wounded knee. Set deep in the earth. Won't you cover me with your pretty lies? Well, bang my heart out, won't